Welcome to the Aaron Novello Podcast. Are you looking to master the art of real estate sales? Do you want to level up your business and lifestyle? You are in the right place. Aaron and his guests share winning real estate sales strategies and techniques and show you how to win the inner game that leads to financial freedom. Get ready. Here is your host, top producing real estate agent and coach to some of the top agents in the U.S. and internationally, Aaron Novello. Welcome back, Novello Nation, to another episode of the Aaron Novello Podcast. We have with us like a luminary legendary. She was actually in that red book right there, the millionaire real estate agent. She was the first agent to be coached by GK to actually go to the seventh level, built a seventh level business that somebody else has been running for 20 plus years and she still profits from, as well as being the top profit share earner in all of KW, the one and only Miss Linda McKissick. I really appreciate you taking the time to be with me here today. Oh, my pleasure, Aaron. Thank you for that nice introduction. I'm just going to have you introduce me all the time. (laughs) For sure. So I think, you know, I always like to bring people to the platform that I believe would add tremendous value. And you have just this wealth of knowledge. So I know people are going to get a lot out of our time together. So I think what would be a good place to begin is like your journey into real estate, because you've gone not only from being like a top producing agent to then transitioning into seventh level, then transitioning to owning market centers. So you've really done this evolution that a lot of agents aspire to. So talk to us a little bit about that. Sure, absolutely. Uh, Well, you know, Aaron, my journey began um, in my early, it was probably my middle 20s, when my husband, uh, I always like to say, you know, sometimes the gradualies and suddenlies in life wake us, really wake us up, right? And it's usually the suddenly that does the jolting awake. And that's what happened in the early, late 80s, early 90s, the economy in Texas just crashed. Now, I always like to say, you know, I'm in my middle 20s. I don't even know what the word economy means at that point. Is it a good one? Is it a bad one? I have no idea. I'm just trying to figure out who am I and how do I make more than minimum wage? I mean, that's really all I was thinking about. And then all of a sudden, my husband starts sweating. Uh, He starts, you know, not wanting to go to sleep at night. And when I, when it finally, you know, comes to the forefront, what's going on, we actually sold one of his businesses that he had. He was in the restaurant and nightclub business for $600,000 less than we owed against it. So one day we were not fine, but we looked like we were fine. And then the next day we're like $600,000 in debt and we don't even have the business anymore. So, um, He said to me, you know, I need your help. I need you to go to work. Now, in the time, I didn't go to college. No one in my family had ever gone to college. So I didn't even think about college right out of high school. And so I I wouldn't go back to college until Jimmy and I were married. And I'm trying to figure out how to make more than minimum wage. And he says to me one day, just go back to college. Go to college. You know, you've never gone to college. And so I'm, you know, I'm pretty much halfway, a little more than halfway through college at this time. But I still am not figuring out anything that I think I can do that would make more than minimum wage. But um, he knows I'm a hard worker because, you know, I I never shy away from hard work. And so he said, I need your help. I need you to help me get out of this mess. And I'm thinking, gosh, with the kind of money, you know, what kind of money I've been able to make. And I think because I was a lot at a loss, you know, I always say I've been married 39 years now to Jimmy. I don't wake up every day and say, hey, Jimmy, what do you think I should do? I never do that. I do what the heck I think I should do, right? <laughs> and it's usually opposite what maybe what he thinks I should do. I don't know. But I think because I was so overwhelmed and I, you know, I had no idea how much money that really was. When he said that, I said, well, what do you think I should do? You know, I'm a hard worker, but 
I mean, what in the world could I do to help you get out of this kind of hole, right? And he said, you know, Linda, a mentor of mine told me a long time ago, if you want to make a lot of money, real estate is the way to do it. Now, I laugh today because I have since learned who that man was. Uh, He was actually a business person out of Dallas, and he was a real estate builder and developer. I don't think he said, you know what, here's how you get rich. Go find a wife, get her to sell houses, and you guys will be rich forever. (laughs) But you know how when you tell someone something and by the time it gets to someone else, it's not really the same message? That's what happened here. But I'm really thankful that Jimmy misunderstood because we didn't have any money to invest or develop at that time. And little would I know that real estate sales would actually be perfect, right? It would be the perfect vehicle to create cash flow to eventually get us to building wealth. And so Again, I didn't know a realtor. My family had never owned a home. I mean, I I don't know what it means to be in real estate. So I said to him, well, what does that mean? What does that look like? And he said, well, you go take a few classes and you get your license and you sell houses. I'm like, oh, how hard? Okay, great. I've already been taking a few classes, right? And so, and and right away, Aaron, I didn't make a lot of money. I only made $3,000 gross. Jimmy had to say, Linda, this is gross. I'm spending 15 for you to make three, honey. This isn't what I had in mind. But, you know, Aaron, back then, nobody helped you figure out how to sell houses. I mean, if you were at a real estate company, you were lucky if you got a week training before you started. And there was no training once you got into the companies because, you know, there wasn't, you know, a training consulting company like Keller Williams that I would eventually join. So really, you were on your own to try to figure this out. And so I, I always say I'm a slow learner. So it took me a while And it took someone buying me a ticket to a conference to make me realize that anything in life I want to do, somebody out there knows how to do it. And if I can just go learn from them, I can do it too, right? And um, so, you know, I I did that and I started making good money. And then all of a sudden his businesses weren't come back. And so I, I talked him into getting in the business with me. And to be honest with you, the pain, I think, of going through that much debt, because I always say, you know, it's not a marriage enriching time when people owe a lot of money. You don't, you know, your your spouse doesn't come home and you say, hey, how was your day? You say, what in the heck are we going to do? I mean, where are we going to get some money? This is not fun, you know. And so um, I think it made such an impact on us. And it's such a blessing today, right? Usually the worst thing ever happens to you can wind up being the best thing ever happened to you because it was a wake-up call. And the wake-up call was, you know what? Even selling houses, even though we're making lots of money, the economy can crash, markets can shift, uh, disruptors can happen. You have to always be prepared as if that suddenly could be coming and, 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 and say, what is my gradually doing to prepare me for that? Right. And so I think I'm, I'm thankful for that today because it made me more aware of what, what, who are the people in the world that man, when economies crash, they don't lose everything like we did. And I started reading books and Jimmy started reading books and the most impactful book we read was Robert Kiyosaki's second book, Cashflow Quadrant. Rich Dad, Poor Dad is very enlightening. You probably have it on your shelf back there. But the truth is the answer we needed was in there. And the page that jumped out to us was the page that talks about 95% of the world gets their money from the left side of the quadrant, meaning their employees are self-employed. And 5%, the people that don't have to worry so much about the suddenlies, are people that make money from businesses and investments. Now you got to understand where we were at the time, Aaron, 
businesses didn't sound very good to us because first of all, we didn't see real estate as a business. We saw it as a job opportunity. We saw it as an income opportunity. So businesses didn't sound very good because we had gotten so burnt from, from Jimmy's businesses. But we thought, okay, surely we can do investing, right? I'm selling houses. So how hard can it be to buy some, right? So, and I always believe that once you make a decision and you, 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 you pick a number, you know, in this case we picked, we wanted to make $250,000 passively a year. Uh, and we thought, you know, if we can do that, then whatever we make on income will just be other, other money. And that money will be there someday when we're, we want the freedom or option to work only because we want to, right? And so we put that little plan together. We worked it backwards on how many houses we'd have to buy. And it was 20 houses, free and clear. And we used Jimmy's age because he's about nine years older than me. So we said, by the time you're 60, we want 250000 coming in passively, right? And so 20 houses is free and clear. Buy them over the next five years. Pay them off over the next 15. Boom, we're there, right? And so, you know, I believe the good Lord for me, once I make a decision and I make a plan, he's going to show me the opportunities that have actually been there all along, but I hadn't been committed enough to start to see them, right? So now we're committed. Sure enough, I go on an appointment. The house is in terrible shape, got foundation issues. The people don't want to put it on the market. They want to sell to an investor. And so I thought, oh, here it is. Here's our first opportunity. Ran home all excited, said, Jimmy, I think we can make 15000 on this house. We got to do it. He very quickly looked at me and said, have you forgotten we are climbing out of $600,000 worth of debt. There's no bank going to loan us any money. And if you haven't noticed, we don't have any money. And I thought, oh, crap, I hate that. So went to sleep that night, woke up the next morning with my builder's name on my brain. And I thought, you know what? Lou Craft will do this with me. And I went to him and sure enough, he trusted me. I trusted him. So he bought our first three investment properties with us. And we picked real estate investing. And we thought, honestly, that would be the only thing we'd ever do. So got busy building a real estate practice, wanted to build the biggest practice I possibly could. I wanted to be number one. I wanted to be the number one person people thought about in my city. And I just got really busy doing that. And then one day, about 12 years in the business, I have one of those really, really bad days. And I always say, if you haven't had one of these yet, it's coming. It's the one that's so bad that you go to your desk drawer and you find that old resume that's in there somewhere and you pull it out and you go, is there anything else I could do? I mean, is there, surely there's, and thank God that that resume that was in that drawer was the one that made me minimum wage because I thought, oh, I forgot. I'm doing this because over here, I can only make minimum wage and over here I can make a whole lot more money. So I put that back in the drawer dusted myself off, dried my tears and thought, okay, but I'm going to work harder on wealth building. Now I'm with, I'm joined, I'm the number one agent in my city. I'm in the top one quarter of 1% in the country. I'm doing about 200 transactions a year. I said, okay, somebody has been bugging the crap out of me about this profit share thing at Keller Williams. I'm going to find somebody who's smart about it. And I'm going to actually treat that as a business. And that really is how my brain shifted and just wanting to get to wealth building faster and then then all the houses we were getting and paying off and so that's when I really said okay I'm going to learn this profit share opportunity that's here at Keller Williams and and I you know got challenged into my top agent mastermind with Gary to to put a performer together he he challenged just all of us in the room uh, to go get another business besides your real estate practice and do a performa if you were going to create multiple streams of income in, in, in your life, besides your real estate sales, what would those be? And so by the time it got around to me, there was nothing left. 
insurance was taken, home inspection was taken, mortgage was taken, title was taken. I'm like, well, what am I going to pick, right? Shame on me picking the last seat today. And Gary leaned over to me and said, you know what, Linda, you've been wanting to understand Keller Williams profit share. Why don't you volunteer to do a performa on that profit share? Now you got to understand, I had no idea where the money came from. But anything sounds good four months out, right? Sign me up four months out. Yeah, I got plenty of time, right? Um, And then I immediately thought, oh, crap. I don't know who even gives you this money. So I knew nothing. And But 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 I'm not going to show back up in front of my peers and present a performer that doesn't sound intelligent, right? So that forced me to go out and say, how does this work? And if I did want to do it, and I'm a big goal setter, so if I... If I decide to do something, I set a, I try to usually set a pretty big goal. So this time I set a million dollar goal. I want to make a million dollars. Now, nobody had made a million dollars at this point. No one knew if you could even make a million dollars. But if anybody could, I was going to do it. And so I found the person that could help me understand how to figure out how you figure out how much money you could make, what, how many people you'd have to sponsor and all that stuff. And sure enough, the performa came out, get 20 people, help 20, get 20, get 5,000 total. Now, this was back, you know, back in the probably late 90s when I started doing this. And it wouldn't come out exactly that way. But by that time, who cares, right? You're well on your way. Uh, And it took me about another, um, I wrote a check in 2007 and decided I needed a visual. So I put that in front of me that said, Linda McKissick, a million dollars signed by Gary Keller from the Keller Wins Profit Share Program. And I looked at it for another eight years. Uh, every day I'd walk by it. And in that eighth year, we hit a million one. In the seventh year after that, we hit uh, we hit uh, uh, 996,000, I think. And so by the next time we overshoot and make the, the million one. And so I think you know, by doing that performa again, it was that performa that kicked me into action, just like that first, you know, performa and goal setting kicked me into action to find our first investment property. And that's why I always tell people to start. We have a worksheet called the Freedom Number Worksheet. And I always say start there uh, because the number will kind of start you on the path to putting the activities together and then to be able to see the opportunities that you, you that you can't see. Yeah. And with that clarity, I feel like uh, in my experience, it's like, oh, that's not that difficult. <laughs> like it makes you realize like, oh, that's something that's attainable. That's not completely out of reach. So I, what I find fascinating as I'm listening to you share your story, it's like this culmination of events. One, you know, um, having an event from a financial perspective that was very difficult because you also mentioned that that was in the 90s, 600,000 bucks in the 90s was a lot of money. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's a lot of money now, but it was even more money then, right? So, um, and that's like a, for some people that might be like an insurmountable kind of thought process to get themselves out of. And it pushed you actually, pushed you to find a vehicle through some serendipitous events that actually allowed you to produce the cash, right? To, To do precisely that. And then it also gave you, it sounds like this very, uh, firmly rooted, in pain, which is not a bad thing, um, you know, kind of model that, hey, I need to have a, additional flows, not just one. So mm-hmm. that way, if something happens in my life, you know, I'm okay. And first that morphed into real estate where you were buying up properties, which I'm sure you accomplished that goal and surpassed it since then. And then you woke up to this profit share thing. And it sounds like you woke up to that also by serendipity because you were sitting in a room and they're like ancillary flows and everybody picked one. And you said like, okay, I guess I could do profit share, right? So now let's say that happened. Gary leaned over, he said, hey, do a perform on this. 
you did that. It became like you said, I took a note, like 20, helped 20 more people, 5,000 total. Numbers might be different now. And then what? So you have this like vision, you can see it clearly. Then what did you do like intentionally and purposefully to begin to like breathe that into existence? Right. Well, you know, what I did without even realizing it, Aaron, uh, and this would come out later as press and I would develop a course to help other people do it, is I used the formula that had always worked for me. It worked for me to build my real estate practice. It was just more naturally and authentic for me. And that was, it's a formula that I call capital R plus capital V plus another capital V over capital T. And so what that means is anything you want to accomplish in life, uh, you've got to figure out who are the, the R stands for relationships. Who are the people you need to fulfill that? And that could be number one, deciding who do I need to be a hero to? Because being a hero to someone is how you get paid, right? So who do I need to be a hero to? And that could even include me asking, who do I enjoy helping? Because if I enjoy and it gives me energy and it motivates me, I'll do it for a lifetime, right? Uh, But if, but, but I don't want to pick people that I don't enjoy helping because it's going to be short lived, right? And I'm not going to do it as passionately or authentically, right? So who do you need to be a hero to? And then what is my, the first capital V stands for, what is my validity to even ask those people of their most precious asset, which is their time to be willing to go deep in relationship with me. And so my validity, my, well, I, I tell you, honestly, Aaron, validity can even be your failures like we've had in the past. And, you know, that, that can become your validity. Uh, your your books you've read, the classes you've attended, the experiences, success and failure that you've had in your life, the knowledge that you're willing to go out and get that other people need you to have to help them. Those all things become your validity. Even like you, I noticed you have a ton of books back there. Even the, uh, the books you've read that aren't by you could, could be your validity. Uh, your own books. We have, we have a couple of books. I'm, I'm writing the third one right now. But you, your own books could be validity. Other people's books that you learn, glean the knowledge from could become your validity. And then the next V is what is their value gap that I can help them with? Because um, if I can fill that value gap for them, I you can't make a seller sell, a buyer buy, or an agent join. You can only get them to self-discover that whatever value gap or that what's a value to them right now, you can help them accomplish. And once they self-discover that, and the best way to get people to self-discover is stories where they can see their own lives in it. Um, experientially is the best where I can get you to experience it rather than me try to sh- tell you all about it. Uh, or great questions that make you think yourself about what it is you need, right? And so if I know that, number one, I stop feeling like I can make people do something I can't make them do because we don't like to do things that is to some that feels like it's to someone, but we love to do things that feel like they're for someone. So if I'm not trying to make someone do something I can't make them do anyway, and I have to tell you, I'm pretty, I think I'm a pretty darn good salesperson, but I'm very clear I know I can't do. I can only help them self-discover. And then, so that brings the bottom part of the formula, which is that T for time. It's always their timing. It's never mine. All I can do is get clarity around the realistic time frame they have and not, you know, bet my farm on the fact that I need them to make this decision or do this in 30 days when they're going to take a year or they're going to take six months, right? So 
you know, to me, I, I just kind of naturally did that formula because that's how I built my real estate practice over 200 transactions a year is I, I found the people that I needed to be a hero to. I continually increased my validity um, and the language you use, you know, the knowledge, how confident you sound. I just did a, I just recorded a, a all inclusive uh, class on online class on how to be a listing agent. And, you know, so much of what I told him in there is the confident person is the one that wins it. Right. And so how do we build your confidence uh, in there? And, and because when you're confident, people believe you and they sense when you're not confident. Right. And so my knowledge is going to make me confident uh, and increase my validity. And so, you know, I just followed that formula, Aaron, and uh, it worked. You know, I, I, um, I never, Ask someone to join Keller Williams. I literally helped them self-discover that they were the dreams and goals that they had could be better attained here. And once they discovered that, it was easy. You know, I, yeah. I didn't have to twist their arm or sell them or anything. And and I think the same thing happens with anything, any any service you're trying to sell, whether it's your real estate service or whatever. I think it's the same formula. Yeah, uh, I think I heard you say which I mentioned on a clubhouse that I was on recently that people don't do what you want them to do. They do what they self-discover. Mm-hmm. And our job is to, um, you know, be present enough and focused enough on them, right. Letting go of like uh, the outcome and ask very kind of piercing surgical questions to help them to self-discover. And then once they do though, that'll they'll make the decision that they feel is in their best interest, you know, anyway. So what it like, you started doing this, you started implementing this formula, you started, you know, all of this happening. And what do you say to people who are like, well, Linda, like you, you got in at like the beginning, you were one of the first ones to do this. Like, I don't like, it wouldn't work for me. Like what would, what would be your response to that? Uh, What if you're wrong? (laughs) When, when would you like to find out that you're wrong? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Anything about it? And so what I do now, Aaron, is I tell a story about a young guy that has been my son's friend since they were three years old. And it truly is the rich dad, poor dad story. If you ever read that story in there where uh, the friend always wanted to hang out with the rich dad's family, right? And this kid, he has great family. Uh, However, he really gravitated to our family. He loved our, our, he just, he went on trips with us. He just loved our lifestyle. He loved the, the conversations we had. And so when he grew up, he went to college and he got a real estate degree, right? And when he gets out of college, he doesn't like selling real estate, but he remembers that we talked about investing in properties and how do you have to build wealth and have put your money to work for you. And he saw our lifestyle change over all those years because we were doing those things. I mean, he was the recipient of getting to go on some of those cool trips that we could do and stuff like that. And, um, And he also loved the profit share. And so those are the two things he works on. He he builds his profit share. He's been working on it for a little over three years. He's making, this year he's on target for over $50,000 and he's 20 something years old. And um, he couldn't have worked and saved and invested enough money to do that in that short period of time. So I say to them, let Nick be your proof because I don't want you to get to, you know, later on down the line and go, man, that was a wrong belief that held me back. That cost me a lot. 
and so what if you're wrong <laughs> and you are wrong, right? Because Gary believes that the number one profit share owner may not even be with our company. And so whether it's profit share or something else that's, that you're not doing, don't let that be a reason why you don't give it a try or give it an effort. And so I think Nick is living proof. He's making way more money in a way shorter period of time than we ever did. It yeah. took us a long time to get to that. And what I really love too is that, uh, you know, you guys served like your family did really uh, as an example for him. And then you provided him an opportunity, which is like yeah. a really beautiful thing, right? Like very much so changing the trajectory or course of his life. So, and what I'm also interested in too, to get your perspective on is, you know, what I've been sharing, as you know, I have a coaching and training company mm -hmm. and I have the good fortune of coaching some of the top agents throughout the country. And one of the things we've been talking about is vertically integrating mm -hmm. because what I'm seeing is happening. You mentioned like how the game is changing. I'm seeing that happening. I'm seeing the cost of sale go up. I'm seeing net get compressed and um, vertical integration seems to be the way to go. So in your mind, I mean, for me, profit share fits perfectly into vertical integration. It makes up for the compression of that. Is that how you see it as well? Um, well, you know, Yes. And here, and, and the reason my hesitating is because none of my motives were ever thinking about, well, I guess it was thinking about compressing. I was thinking about a crash and that's a fast compression, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, yes, for me, it was always plan B in case plan A didn't work out and let's just go ahead and have plan C, D and E. I've always been a believer in, um, preparing for the suddenlies. And I think because suddenly happened so early in my life, it taught me that they are there and that they do happen. And you don't know what they're going to look like. You don't know if it's a disruptor in your industry. You don't know if it's an economy. And uh, so, yeah, in a sense, I did it without even realizing that's what I was doing, right? Right. That's what came up for me as you're sharing this with me. I'm like, oh, like what, what Linda's been doing this whole time is vertically integrating. Yes. With not only going from an agent to owning market centers, to owning real estate, to having profit share, all of that is vertical integration. So then we have multiple flows. So if there is any disruption, it's like an inconvenience, but it's not, it doesn't change your life one way or the other. You know, and also, Aaron, I don't, the reason I hesitate about that, because I think my, my, that was subliminally in my mind, knowing that things could compress but I also have a piece in me, and some of your people that are listening to this today may have this too. I had a piece in me that when I accomplished something, I would say, oh, that's wow, that's cool. What else I wonder can I do, right? And so I always tell people, you'll hit a ceiling in this business and, and, and everybody's different on when they hit it. I remember almost the day I hit it, 200 transactions. I had everything farmed out except taking about 200 listings a year. And I know that's hard for people to believe in the market that we're in now, but let the market shift and you'll understand. But um, to taking 200 listings a year, I had all the freedom that I could have. And freedom is something that my soul woke up when I was 18 years old and I had my first job that someone got for me that was an eight to five job. Now I worked my all through high school, but they were jobs like go in at five, get off at 10 because you're going to school. And that so it, that didn't feel like the same box that this new job out of high school my friend got for me was eight to five. So I always laugh and say, so I got out of that job, and went to real estate where you go in way before eight, you get off way after five, right? But honestly, Aaron, that was my soul talking to me and saying, Linda, freedom will be a super motivator for you. It will be so important to you that you will spend your life 
when something feels like a constriction to get out of it and find that the freedom, right? How do I get that accomplished and have the freedom? So I think two things were going on. One, the pain of going through that, yes, always was there, but but looking up and saying, wow, how do I get more freedom? How do I go to the next level? What This isn't very challenging like it used to be. What's a new challenge? And so sometimes it's kind of the way the person is wired. You know, I think I've heard it put like this from one of my coaches. There's two types of entrepreneur. There's the entrepreneur that is making more money than they ever made in their life. And they think, man, this is great. Now, what else can I do community-wise and and golf-wise and all those things? And nothing's wrong with that. Don't get me wrong. Um, And then there's the other entrepreneur that says, oh, wow, that was great. Now, I wonder what else I can accomplish. And they're just wired that way, right? So it's important to know because if I'm bringing – you know, wealth determiners or people in my life to help me build something, I need to make sure they're that other kind. If we're, if we're, they're not the kind that's just going to get to a dollar amount and say, oh, this is great. I don't need to do anything else. We can't depend on them as a team if that's the way we're going to be. So I think one, I was, I'm wired that way. I'm looking for the next pioneering opportunity. I'm also kind of sick. I don't like it when things are easy. I kind of like them when they're hard. And uh, my coach, Dan Sullivan, will say there's a difference between a multiplier and a simplifier. A multiplier has to keep multiplying, right? I just want to go figure out how to how to make something else and how to do something else. And then there's the person that says, wow, this is way too complicated. Let me spend all my time on simplifying it. And I am definitely a multiplier. And I think that's part of what my constant, okay, got this to a certain level I don't really like it as much when it gets to a certain level. And the good news is my husband does. So (laughs) start doing the simplifying. But if I didn't have him simplifying, I would need a simplifier in my life to to clean up all the messes I'm making along the way. Yeah, I've heard it uh, in the book Rocket Fuel, just with different words like a visionary and an integrator. Right. Right. And what's interesting about what you just said, it's like I feel like it's a kindred like spirit where it's like I had a very similar experience getting to 200 deals, did that two years in a row. And then looked around and was like, okay. And then we did the start of the training and consulting company. Now we're getting into, you know, with your help, you know, building a downline that's meaningful, just constantly multiplying. And what I'm aware of is, I don't know, it's very difficult to explain that to other people because they'll say to you, like, Linda, like, what are you doing? Like, you just rest or like, she's like, nope, that's just the way I am. Like, it's built into me. Right. Yeah. 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 And, and, and if, if you have kids, one of the great books I tell everybody to share with young kids early on is a book called Dream Giver by, uh, I want to say it's Bruce Wilkinson. And the reason I say give that because people come from their limitations and their fears and they try to give them to you, not in a bad way. They don't mean to. And sometimes it's your family. But I remember years ago, um, my sister, who's very important to me, wired completely different than me. Thank God, because now together we're a great team. But she would say to me, Linda, I mean, why do you got to do all these things? You know, wh- you know, why can't you just be, you know, happy with what you have? And just to her, I wasn't happy. I was looking for something else. But what she didn't realize is that's just how I'm wired, right? And I always tease and say, well, two things. One, um, it only took me two first-class tickets to Hawaii for her to make her stop asking me why it is you do all these things you do. She, she has stopped. Because now she says, I don't know what the heck you do, but go do more of it, right? Yeah. But I reached out to Gary one day and I said, Gary, I really struggle. I struggle, one, with people saying it to me, but I also struggle when I have other people say, well, you know what? I'm just, nah, I'm just kind of happy right here where I'm at. Um, and I'm like, I'm happy where I'm at, where I'm going, where I'm going, right? <laughs> Um, and so he wrote back the sweetest message and, and it helped me so much. He said, you know what, Linda, life is about becoming, 
And the way you become is you get up every day and you try to achieve. Sports teams don't win one Super Bowl and quit. They go back out on the practice field and they see who else they can become. And I realized, oh, that's so true. I've really loved who I have become more than anything else. In all the journey and the trying and the achieving, what I value the most is the person I've become from doing it all, right? And so I think we have to appreciate, number one, the different strengths that people have and that they think differently and not necessarily think our way is the only way. But I think you can tend to be made to feel like what you're doing is bad. And what I always say is as long as you not, you're not sacrificing the most important things in life to you, who gets to say how much is enough or how more you do or should do and all those things. But I think we can, we can all get to a place where we either think it and say it to someone else or we get it said to ourselves. Yeah, that's such good guidance. Like, I really hope uh, the people that are going to be watching this and listening really soak that in because it's it's very, very true and it comes from a very good place. So, and then what I'm also aware of is you created a profit sharing class, like a master class teaching people how to do this. And this is a way, you know, really kind of culturally, I know it comes from a place of you wanting to, you know, help people and serve them in some way. So, how did that come to fruition? Was that just people coming to you all the time being like, hey, what's the deal with this profit share thing? Yeah. Well, yeah. And more and more demand on my time <laughs> to, uh, you know, help offices, which I still do. I still do that some, but, um, but, you know, offices want me to speak here or come there and talk and you only have so much time. I, honestly, you do, you got to, you know, how do I reach more people? Uh, and, and the other thing is I, teaching is teaching is one of my tools that I, I love to do. Um, I've always done it, even in my real estate practice, I would take some of the classes that I had from KW. And, you know, one time uh, we have a great course called a life achievement course called quantum leap and 150 of my clients showed up for me to teach them quantum leap. Wow. You know, and and I'd rather have, uh, you know, 300 eyes looking at me than I had two. Right. And I think I probably got at least five deals from that, that doing that. And we talked nothing about what I did, they knew what I did, right? And, but we didn't, I didn't have to say, hey, who do you know that needs to buy or sell a house, right? I, I did my formula. I gave them value. And when you give value, you create this amazing thing called beholdenness and reciprocity. And it's such a strong motivator. People want to give back to you in some way. They can't stand for you to give and give and give and them not give something back. And so, um, so it just kind of is the way it is, right? And I think in, in Robert Caldini's book, persuasion it's called reciprocity and in you know in some places it's called beholdenness and so uh, teaching has always been a, a, a what I use to build my validity and it's what I love to do so you always have to ask yourself what are the things that I that are motivating and energizing for me and how do I build my world in such a way that anything that's just either annoying or just okay winds up eventually getting moved off of me and it's given to somebody that it does motivate and energize yeah. right because there's always people that that thing motivates and energizes them that demotivates and doesn't energize you. And so um, teaching has always just been one of those things. Right. And I truly have a passion for um, trying to motivate people to to think of things that they might not think. And, 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 and I believe that I got where I am by people sharing and giving with me. And I think we should all when we learn and have something part of what we should give back to the world is those same things that, that we've received. Right. And so uh, press, and actually it's the genius of my son, honestly, press is he's a simplifier, 
uh, which multipliers can do magical things if you'll put yourself with a simplifier. I mean, magic can happen. And the other thing that I've discovered that happens is my unique ability put together with other people's unique ability is something that does away with competition because nobody else has those two people's magic together, right? So we can quit, we can think about, you know, collaboration and we can think about abundance and all those things because uh, it's so unique and different and so, so magic when you put those people's unique abilities together. And so my son, he, when he graduated from college, he did an internship uh, at KW with Gary. And then when he came home, he had to have a learning period with us, right? He had to sit and learn and do anything and everything we needed him to do. And so his desk was next to me and I, my, my, I love to recruit. And, and if I can, if I can, you know, help people, Uh, And then what happens to that is a byproduct is is some of them decide that they're going to join. And so he would sit next to me and he would listen. And what he, what he discovered is mom, here's exactly what you're doing. And so, you know, sometimes you, what you do so uniquely is so easy for you. You think it's easy for someone else and you get where you can't even see it in yourself. So sometimes you have to have other people help you see your uniqueness and your gifts. And so he just kind of spelled it out. And we just decided we started teaching group classes on it first. Sorry about that. And uh, we group classes first and um, you could only reach so many people. And we started having a really hard time finding an hour a week for six weeks to teach it. So we decided, what if we put it in an online course, people could have it, uh, you know, for longer and, and, and they could revert back to it when they're ready for the different information. And then we add our monthly calls with it, which is where we're having the most fun. Like people go through the online course uh, and then once a month, they jump on a call with us. And honestly, we had no idea how much fun that was. That part was going to be. But we love we love doing it. So it saves my time. It reaches more people uh, and it just gives back, you know, in a way that that if I can help people understand this great gift and take advantage of it. Wow. It can change their life and their family's life. I always ask them all the time. What happens if your kids grow up and realize there was a profit share program that was willable to your heirs? <laughs> This press would have been real mad. He would have been super mad. And what I can tell you is that what Linda is saying is not only is it accurate, but it's extremely genuine and authentic um, because she will take the time to speak to you, provided that she has the time and share with you, you know, what she knows, which is awesome because that's an embodiment of like, uh, you know, culture and who she is sort of thing. So, okay. So moving forward for Miss Linda McKissick, you've already accomplished all this stuff. You're in that super famous book the Bible of uh, the real estate game with all the models on how to scale and build a seventh level business. You've done that. You've owned, uh, you know, a whole region. You've done profit share at a super high level, now teaching other people. So when you, I'm curious to see your vision moving forward. Like what is, what are your goals and objectives? What are you thinking at the moment? Well, one thing that's changed is I no longer, I don't know, this is really weird. I no longer need like, okay, um, um, we need, this many more houses this year, or this many more vacation rentals this year, or this much more profit share this year. I don't necessarily do that. I just get up every day and be the best at whatever it is we're working on. Because what I've found, Aaron, is when you bring value to the world, the money just shows up and you can't keep it, you can't, you know, you can't keep it down, right? So I'm now, we are doing the things that we absolutely love, right? And so because we're doing the things we love, number one, I'm not doing anything annoying and that drives me crazy. So I don't have to quit any of those. And I'm not even doing just things that are just okay. I'm actually only doing the pieces 
that give me energy and motivate me. So number one, there's never going to be an end to that, uh, that I can foresee, right? Unless something abruptly happens and ends it. Um, so that would be the main thing. And it now it's not, you know, the I, I'm it's proven the value shows up, the money shows up, it just gets bigger and bigger because now our money's working for us and and the assets are working for us and just it just compounds like they say. It really works. The compounding really works, right? So now I'm just making sure I don't let anything creep on my plate that's annoying and drives and it sucks my energy. And I just continually and and I'm pouring into other people. I'm having so much fun finding other people's unique abilities and then seeing how we can merge them with the ideas that I have. Cause I have a million ideas, right? Most entrepreneurs have a million ideas. And so, but I'm trying to stay in my lane. My lane is real estate. I don't, um, I don't jump out and, you know, do healthcare, (laughs) you know, this is my lane business and real estate is my lane. And so I don't, I'm very clear about that. Used to, I try to jump out all over the place. I've learned not to do that. You, you get, big by going narrow. Right. And so I stay in that lane and I just, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of new ideas and ways to, that I can add value to other people who want to accomplish what we've accomplished. And I'm just, like I said, yesterday, we just, uh, we've, we finished filming. He'll have to do some work on it and stuff like that. But we finished a course on how to be a li- top listing agent, because I felt like I saw a need that agents that had come through this massive, you know, on steroids seller market, didn't know how to get listings and they, you know, didn't, didn't think there was enough listings and all those things. And so I'm just saying, what are the things that I'm passionate about teaching? Cause I won't do anything that I don't have passion or experience or stories around. And, you know, and what happens is every time we get one accomplished, another idea will pop up. You know, we have a goal of help. Our goals now are like, what do we want to accomplish projects? So we want to help other people create online courses that want to create online courses. We want to help other people write uh, books that will give them validity. So it, it's all, all still in the same arena, but it's just the, what's the next idea that, the, I always like to say, what's the next natural door that's trying to open for you? And when you understand you're supposed to walk through that door, even though it's scary and it takes courage and you want to wet your pants because you don't know how to do it, you just got to have the courage and do it anyway. And that's where real the real fun and journey is. It's not fun when it gets complacent, I don't think. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, and I love that. And, uh, you know, I think what's so awesome about that is that you're not in any way, you know, just like resting, even though you could, like you're constantly, it's about the person that you're becoming, constantly pushing into areas that are fun, that energize you. And because of that, you're you're really playing the infinite game, mm-hmm. right? And like I, there's I'm no resting. end to it. I am resting. I spent three and a half weeks in San Diego at our beach house. Uh, then I came straight home and I spent a whole week at Miraval in Austin, Texas with my daughter and I'm super rested. (laughs) And when I'm, when I'm working, I'm working. And when I'm playing, I'm playing and I'm very clear about the two. And I don't, I I really try hard not to intermingle them ever. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, listen, Linda, I sincerely appreciate you taking as much time to talk to me as you have. I know your time is super valuable. So if anybody wants to connect with you, if they are interested in, you know, the course that you have, like, where can they find you? Oh, I love this because my, my assistant just trained me <laughs> because we did it on a video yesterday because I had no idea what my social handles were or anything. But you can reach out to me at, at and this is on Facebook and Instagram, at McKissick, M-C-K-I-S-S-A-C-K, Linda. And uh, also, uh, it's I have lindamckissick.com. And I have a podcast called Everything Life and Real Estate. You can find us on any place that you find podcasts. And for those people that 
REMKW and you want to know more about our profit share course, it's profitsharemastery.com. Uh, and, you know, just connect with us anyway, uh, in any way we can help people. Uh, we love to help. We love to help people. So reach out to us if we can answer a question, listen to our podcast. Uh, you'll find some great information there. We really try really hard to get great guests because I love getting people on that we I can share their knowledge with the rest of the world. I've had Dan Sullivan. Uh, I've had the guy that wrote um, Never Split the Difference. So I really work hard to try to get some great guests that we wouldn't normally probably get access to uh, on our own. Yeah, that's fantastic. And again, they are super awesome human beings. I can attest to that and uh, be worth your time, energy and effort to connect. So again, appreciate it greatly. If you guys have enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, hit the like button. And uh, yeah, thank you for taking the time, Linda. Look forward to reconnecting soon. My pleasure. Thank you, Aaron. My pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to the Aaron Novello podcast. Be sure to subscribe and follow Aaron on Instagram at Aaron Novello. Happy hunting.